nights when one drink with the girls turns into a bottle, but you need your car for brunch the next day. There's pickup. Or at Friday work drinks, where you don't want to leave your car with expensive tools at the pub. There's pickup. Don't miss out on the fun. Get a pickup. Simply book on our app, and we'll pick you up to drive you and your car home. Two drivers arrive, one drives you home in your car, and the other driver follows. Download the pickup app today. That's PKUP, and wake up worry free. Hi, I'm Jack LeBrock. Hi, I'm David Reynolds. You're listening to Inside Supercars. From the racetracks across Australia, and here's Inside Supercars. Welcome to Inside Supercars. Tony Whitlock and Craig Ravel, and we're joined by one of the stalwarts of the category, certainly one of Walkinshaw's men on the ground, Anthony McDonald Macker. Welcome back to Inside Supercars, Macker. Oh, thank you. <laughs> it's been a, uh, a heady sort of couple of years, and now uh, into another lockdown in Melbourne. Just wanted to know, first of all, how different is this year compared to last year? I mean, obviously, the events you've got to go to, you're not on the road for all those weeks. But um, the calendar has been very different this year. So how are you and the, your team of guys working and coping with it? Yeah, as you said, it is different. Um, it's Yeah, we're coping okay, I've got to say. Um, you know, we've probably done our time on the road, so we we don't mind being at home at the minute. Um, we've got a lot to do at work still, so it's, it's not like we're, you know, waiting around at work, waiting to go racing. We've got things to catch up with, um, you know, giving the cars a good birthday building some old cars, uh, you know, pit stops, all that sort of stuff, stuff that we you can't really do during the year. Uh, normally, because you're, you're either racing or you've got testing happening, so, yeah, we catch up with a lot of stuff, actually, which is good. Now, obviously, lockdowns are difficult from a family point of view. You've uh, Most of you guys, including yourself, have got children, so you've got things like homeschooling and all those sorts of things to cope with. Um, how many guys have you actually got coming to work on a semi-regular basis at the moment, shall we say? Yeah, so basically we've, you know, as per the government rules, if you can work from home, you know, we'll get those guys to work from home. So like your engineers, um, you know, um, clerical staff, all that sort of stuff, they can work from home. So in marketing, they can do a bit of work from home. So I have the boys sort of coming in um, – uh, we've got most of the guys on the floor coming in during the week, but we've also staggered some annual leave as well as days in lieu to um, just to keep the numbers down while at work. Okay, and e- engine shop blokes? Yes, we've got them in as well because they've got a fair bit of work on as well, catching up with um, uh, engines. You know, we're doing a bit of work for other teams as well, so... Yeah, you know, the boys are busy. Like um, engine engine shop side of things, and machine shop, um, fab shop, all those sort of guys are yeah f- flat stick at the minute. Last time when we spoke to you, you were working part time, or the team was working part time, getting the cars prepared for Sydney Motorsport Park. That was before you did your big long road stint. I'm wondering because Walkinshaw and Dreddy United, the race team, is a is a part of the Walkinshaw larger group. How much did you not being in the workshop over that extended period mean that, say, other arms might have tried to impinge your space to uh, try and keep those arms moving and, in in actual fact, accelerated? Oh, 
Look, I would have to say it didn't really – well, it did affect us, but it didn't affect us that, that much. Like we had guys still basically back at work um, get, getting parts ready for us while we are away racing. So we were in communication with them every day of the week while we are away. So they knew what we were doing. We knew what they were doing. Um, we had a game plan of, you know, when our next racing uh, race meeting was, what we needed ready by then. So it, it, it was different the way we did it, but it still worked exactly the same as the way we work now. So it was, there was no difference with what parts were coming through. So if, I'm not sure if you know our place. We're, you know, divided up into a few different buildings. So the race team are by themselves anyway compared to where the engine shop, fab shop, machine shop is. So it, it was no different for them to build whatever they've got to build and bring it down to us. Instead of them bringing it down to us, they'll put it on a truck and send it away, send it away to where we were. So cost-wise for the year, did that significantly increase your annual? Yes. Yeah, it, it, obviously it was a burden, which you're probably not recouping this year. Look, it, it was quite expensive. It was lucky that we had a really good sponsor who could do anything for us, and that was Palm Trans. Absolutely amazing with what they did for us uh, last year. Um, and I've, I've got to say, I know the figures of what it really did cost, and it was it was a lot of money. It was a lot of money, especially when we were uh, shipping engines up to Townsville, um, especially in between the two events because of issues that we had. So, you know, that cost was, was really expensive. Um, and supercars did help as well. So, you know, we weren't burdened with it all, but supercars did help a little bit. One of the important parts of uh, the supercars uh, whole uh, race weekends are pit stops. Now, obviously, uh, because you have two cars, you're totally in control of the personnel, not having a third car and having a share crew. Um so you need to get at least six people there in the workshop to do practice pit stops. Um, how how many times a week would you normally have that chance to practice? Yeah, so normally we have uh, pit stop practice, practice penciled in, I should say, for twice a week. So we Tuesday afternoons and Thursday afternoons, basically we um, have pit stop practice and that'll go, f- you know, roughly for about an hour. And it's not full on for a whole hour. It'll be different scenarios, um, just trying different things, give the boys a, a few stops, then look at some footage, talk about it, what what can we do to improve. We get the engineers involved. Um, and we also do two hours a week in the gym. So the boys who are part of the pit crew, um, they go Tuesday morning and Thursday morning as well. Uh, we get a trainer in. Um, so, yeah, it's – We've got a fair bit happening with pit stop practice, and I think we can see the improvement that we've we've had this year. Oh, terrific! Yeah, like that's really good to hear because it's obviously a very important part of it. And you know, when we're talking about that half second as to whether you get out in front of somebody or behind, it's obviously critical to have that practice. And it's interesting you talk about it's an evolving thing. Nothing is determined, set in concrete. This is the way it always is. You're constantly reviewing it, as you said, by videotape. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Look, with, with the sprint rounds, there's not much you can really do other than try and get some speed, you know, 
you're talking point one, point two out of the guys um, with you know just doing either you know what we say one wheel or rear wheels or we're doing all four wheels. So it's just how we refine that process. Well, I think we've got our process fairly good. It's just how we get the 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 tenth, the two tenths, you know, half a second out of the guys because we're not going to get much more other other than practicing and you know making them more aware of their surroundings so um it's it's a hard one that but the guys are on it and they're willing to learn and they're also willing to take advice and uh also willing to practice as well so it's good given that we're only getting the uh, one enduro each year now it does make it uh, very important to get the fuel stops right and to get the uh, the four-wheel changes right um how how much before Bathurst? Obviously, now it's a month to move backwards to November. How much now will you get a time to get those really slick stops happening? Um, well, we've already started practicing uh, Bathurst pit stops. Uh, we're, we're not, yeah, it's a bit hard at the minute uh, while we're in lockdown, and I've got st- guys sort of staggered between annual leave and yeah days off. So we're, we're, we we have started. Um, you know, we're practicing road changes, um, worked out a crew. So we've, we've sort of got a baseline of where we're at. The guys who are part of the crew are basically part of the crew that travel as well. So they've already doing pit stops all year. So they sort of they, – they know how to change a wheel. It's just the other extra bits that we need to do for the endurance races that we need to practice now. How long since there's been any changes in the pit stop itself as, in terms of, you know, the rattle guns and – the way in which you operate is, is that's all pretty well set in place now, is it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Basically, that hasn't really changed for quite a while now. So, um, yeah, I can't. I, who knows with the next Gen Three car whether there's going to be much uh, in change with wheel nuts, guns. I'm, I really don't know about that side of things. But for, for our side of things, yeah, you know, we still got SP tool uh, or SP race guns that we've been using. Yeah. You know, the wheel nuts haven't changed. The wheels haven't changed. So probably the last change would have been when we went from 17-inch wheels to, to 18, which wasn't much of a change either. Well, of course, Maggie, you started in the days when there were uh, six wheel nuts. Um, so <laughs> yes. you've gone certainly from a time, the evolution to the single wheel nut. Um, and, and obviously the whole uh, process of pit stopping has changed enormously in your lifetime in the sport. Oh, yeah, definitely. It has. Like, I think um, when I first started, if you did a, uh, I think if you did a, a wheel in around ten seconds, like that was the, that was a, a pretty good time um, back in the old days. Um, I think when I was even with Gibbos, we did a pit stop at Phillip Island, which I think might have been eight, ten. Oh, I can't remember eight seconds or something like that. To do a wheel change, uh, four yeah, four tires and send him, and that was that was probably one of the best times or best stops that you could have done at at that point of time in the series. When you think about how not only the equipment has changed, but the way people do things, when you think about the Gibson times, how many of you boys were full time with the team as compared to your crew now? Um, yeah, so with Gibsons, like we were all full, full time, so it was basically two thousand. So um, I suppose it's it has it's changed, but it hasn't really. You still got the 
all the big teams have still got the same amount of guys who are there either doing machine work behind the scenes, you know, fab shop. Um, it's just really the crew that travels now. We're, you know, we we used to be able to take X amount of the guys to, away to a race meeting. And, that, well, now we can only take 11 guys who are actually performance crew uh, to work on two cars. So that's probably the... That's probably the real change now for us is just a limited number that we can actually bring to help work on cars. Has it been a change in attitude by the way the race is run? Has has that been more influential than anything else? Um, it's a hard one, that, because I would say, when you say change in, in the way the way races have been run, like... It was different times last year when we were in COVID and, you know, we had to get so many races done and the race meeting itself was so condensed with uh, either uh, practice session, qualifying and then races. Um, that was really hard. We've sort of – this year, they've, uh, supercars have spread it out a little bit, which I think it's I think it's a lot better th- this year, but still I think the numbers that you have at a race meeting – if something does go wrong in the tight turnarounds, will be a problem. Like you, you, the cars are pretty good, and everyone's got a lot of spares where we can just throw out the car, all that sort of rubbish. But if you had a real serious accident, which we, we which we always do here and there, that's when the that's when you'll find you won't be able to get a car either finished and ready to go for the next session. Where you'll just go, okay, if we we won't be able to do the rest of the day. We'll fix it properly overnight. And cars are more bolt on bolt off too. They're not as you know, a, a chassis integral to the bodywork to every other piece. Yeah, yeah, it, it has changed that way a fair bit. You know, you haven't got your steel guards, like you've got your carbon um, guards now, so they're a lot easier to either cut off, um, unbolt, put new ones on. So that that's that's the good thing about these new newer cars. You can actually change all that sort of stuff a lot easier. Did the loss of the TAFE team in the end make any difference to repairs and big repairs? I've got to say, I probably only used the TAFE team once in my whole career, and that would have been back in the Gibbo days. Um, I, I, I don't think it has changed changed too much. I, well, I don't think it's affected me that much, to be quite honest. So having them turn up to race meetings, look, it would have been a good experience for the, for the young fellas, but um, for, for the big teams, you probably wouldn't have really used them now with the cars we've got. And we went through that big stage probably more towards the uh, early 2010s when the churn rate on staff was, was getting pretty ferocious. Are we seeing that churn rate? And I imagine COVID, we have to set the COVID years apart. But in that lead-up, yep. 18, 19, were we seeing that churn rate where we were really burning out some good mid-level mechanics before they could, or technicians before they could start making the steps into those higher levels? And has that left a gulf between those engineers you've got and the people you need to fill the bridge? Um, look, I, th- I think those like 2010s, even 2015, up to 2017, they were hard years on mechanics. Um, yeah, you know, just the, the travel we were doing, like there were some good places we went to when, you, when we talk about overseas travel. But it was still a lot of travel in a year. Um, the money for mechanics around that time wasn't, I won't say it wasn't great, but it was okay. Um, 
is there a gap between what's happened? Um, not really. I, I reckon. I reckon uh, there's still a lot of good guys who are mechanically minded that have come into the sport, and they pick it up. If you've got processes in place in your workshop, um, they'll, you just tell them what to do. This is how we do it. And it hasn't been a problem. We'll probably lost some good guys, but, you know, everyone's replaceable. Simple as that. At this stage, uh, Phillip Island is, or Winton rather, is your next event. How long do you feel before you'll know that that is definitely go ahead? Obviously, you know, things change from day to day and not, nothing can be locked in, but uh, the likelihood is Winton will be the next event sometime in October? Yeah, well, it's early October, so... Uh, it's, it's hard to tell at the minute. In theory, you know, this Victorian lockdown, we should finish around um, September the 2nd. So that gives it a month from then to roughly to when we've got to go to Winton. So hopefully, look, we can get back racing, you know, that weekend of Winton. Admittedly, we would like to go testing um, before that. So if we can go testing, it's, it's all about for us having a couple of, you know, a queen, one Queensland driver that we would like to get down before the event. Um, that, that's probably the hard bit for us at the minute, getting Queensland crew, you know, we've got two Queensland drivers when I say that, our endurance driver, Luffy, um, you know, and we've got Adam DeBore in New South Wales as well. So it's that's probably going to be our, our biggest struggle is just getting them down and working out when we've got to get them down by and, um, do they stay down with us until, who knows, after Phillip Island? Um, it, it's That's going to be our hardest one at the minute to work out what we do there. You've seen enormous change in your time with Walkinshaws from uh, uh, the days of Scaife and Co and Sander and James Courtney. Um, it, it's uh, quite different now. You've got uh, a, clearly a number one driver in Chaz and a young man who is you know, making his mark and starting to get that qualifying speed to get up the grid. They seem to be working very well together, and that must be very different to the days when there were two drivers there. For instance, in the Tanda-Courtney days, there were two blokes who were vying to be the number one. Yeah, yeah, that's that's right. Yeah, it is It is quite different. Um, oh, look, both have their advantages, the, the way you look at it. You know, if you've got two number one drivers trying to be the number one in the team, yeah. In theory, that should help um, help progress the team up the grid. Um, and at the minute, you know, we've got young Bryce, who I reckon, you know, is a future superstar of the sport. He just he's still young. He's still racing against professional drivers. He's just learning it all, and he will be a really good driver. So it's a different dynamic. We know the guy's got potential. It's just trying to get that potential out of him. And, and Chaz, of course, is a star in the sport. He uh, he has his own persona. He has his own style. And that must actually make the guys in your garage feel very good having him there because he is somebody who builds confidence, doesn't he? Oh, yeah, certainly, certainly. You know, he's, he's always full of confidence and he's always good with the boys in the garage. doesn't matter what car or what car crew um, – is there in the garage? He he will go and talk to everyone. So like, just from that side of things, he is so good with everyone in the crew, and he'll make everyone feel, you know, we're one, 
we're one car team, even if we're, you know, we're running two cars, we're still a, one big happy family. Um, he works with Bryce really well. And, you know, I've got to say, um, just the way Chaz puts his arm around Bryce, you know, whatever's happened after the event, he always talks to him, you know, tries to pick his, yeah, pick him up if he's had a bad day and then congratulates him when he's had a really good day as well. So Chaz, yeah, Chaz is a superstar. Indeed. Um, so what have you got planned over the next month or so? Um, you know, are there any sort of uh, diversions from the just prepping the cars and pit stop practice? What are the other things online over the next few weeks? Um, well, we've got one big project that we're, we're – we're doing at the minute. We're building um, an old HRT car, um, so we've got a buyer for that. Um, so that's going back to ah, what was it? What year was it? I'm just trying to think really quickly off my head. Uh, 2007, uh, 2015. Um, so a Garth Tander Sandown spec looking car. So we're doing that, and it's a uh, full. Full resto, so that's actually quite exciting and, and actually quite good to do. Um, so we've got that that on the one uh, one thing happening. Um, we've got another car that we need to start getting ready for sale. Um, you know, we've got all pit equipment to go through. We've got we've got all these little jobs that you just got to get on top of now, and then hopefully when we go racing, everything's just ready for us. Just to push into the truck, and we're right to go. I saw recently again a uh, video with uh, Zach Brown, and he was waxing lyrical about his Tanda Percat uh, Bathurst winning car and <laughs> talking about uh, Daniel Ricciardo uh, is going to be driving it. Lando's already driven it. And uh, I must say, it, it's uh, wonderful to have uh, somebody like Zach, who is obviously so enthusiastic for our series and has been at Bathurst, um, you must get a great deal of satisfaction to having that international involvement from both Zach Brown and United and also, obviously, Michael Andretti. Yeah, it's good. Like, you know, the, we haven't done it for a while, but, you know, when we sent uh, Kellen Granville to, over to, um, you know, in, Indy for uh, a race, that was, that was, you know, one of the things that we can do with uh, having teams or owners of, of our team based overseas, um, you know, and Zach, he just loves race cars and he just loves racing. So, you know, for him to even just talk about how much he loves driving that old beast that we that we sold to him um, and then get, you know, current F1 drivers to jump into that car and, you know, get the feedback off them of how much they actually enjoy it as well. You know, it's, uh, it's just really good, really good. Good. Ed Macker, if I can go back to drivers for a second, is there a big difference between the way uh, Richard Scaife, Ingle, uh, sorry, Tanda approach racing compared to how Chaz and, and Bryce are doing it nowadays or either other contemporary drivers compared to that 15 years ago? Oh, no, not really. Like, you know, you've got to understand these, these drivers. They're... they're um they're fairly focused when it all comes to it. You know, admittedly there's, you know, Chaz is a bit of a larrikin and all that sort of stuff. Not right before each race itself. He's quite focused and, you know, he he knows what he wants to get out of the car and all that sort of stuff. And that's no different to all the other drivers that we've had. They're all very focused when that happens. It's just what they're like a little bit away from 
um, from the racing itself that that is different. You know, um, Scaife, you know, all those sort of guys who were fairly focused and you know strong-minded what they wanted with the car. It's definitely no different to what Chaz is like, and even what Bryce is like as well. Like he 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 will tell us what he wants to get out of the car and what he feels he needs, and that's. Com- that's been the same since I've been there. So the driver will tell you, I need this and I really, really want it and we've got to try and provide it. So there's no difference. I remember a time, Macca, back uh, when Scafie had first come across to HRT and I rang up Fred Gibson and said, look, I'm not big on nicknames, um, Fred, but the one thing I've seen in my time, and this was obviously you know, late 90s, and I'm trawling the garages and uh, being accused by people of bludging off the teams. But um, <laughs> the thing I remember most was that I said to Fred, I want to give Nick a nickname of the technician. You know, we had the professor in, in Elaine Prost, and I just felt that Scafie was spending more time with the engineers, sitting there looking at graphs and looking at all the data, and... Do you find that there is still that same um, or is there an equivalent amount of desire for for your current drivers to be going through the data to find that speed? Oh, look, yes, is the answer, yes. Um, Both of our current drivers go through the data. Bryce might be a little bit, might go through the data a bit more than what Chaz does, but Chaz will sit there with Adam, go through the data, and you can probably tell when when Chaz has probably had enough of it and goes, I just need to go away now and think about it while I'm sitting in the truck somewhere else away from away from the engineers. But they still do go through the data, probably not as much as what Scaife did, but, you know, Bryce, Bryce does. I would say Bryce is really good at that. He will sit down with Terry and he will go through the data, keep working on it, keep working on it. Um, yeah, but Chaz is probably a little bit different there. Getting Adam on board, um, did you find that reinvigorated your engineering team? Oh, it definitely helped because he's you know, just a different pair of eyes looking at it a different way. Um, probably, and it did help us with what our deficiencies were with the car. Um, you know, so that did help. And unfortunately, you know, being last year we're, when we're on the road and that, we couldn't. We couldn't sit down and do test days all the time. We couldn't. We we had an idea of what we needed, and we tried to get those parts either made, put on a car. But then it was still hard just to to prove everything was correct, and this is the way we want to go. You, you know, it's one of those things when you put a new part on the car, you need to put a new part on the car, make sure it's reliable, make sure it's doing what you want it to do, but then also taking that part off going back to an old part, has it done what we thought it would done or thought it should have done? And you need to quantify that. And that's probably one thing we couldn't do last year. Well, Maka, thank you so much for joining us on Inside Supercars. You, uh, your team comes from a, an enormous background of success, both in Bathurst and Championship. And, uh, mate, I'm looking forward to when, uh, again, you're climbing on top of the podium with the uh, drivers <laughs> next to you because uh, it's a wonderful thing that you're doing. And I, look, I, I hope you have an enjoyable and productive time before you next get to a racetrack. No, nah, no problem. Thank you very much. Hope I wasn't too boring. <laughs> <laughs>
Thank you, Macker, for joining us on Inside Supercars. Inside Supercars is produced by Thunder Media. Tune in next time for more or lock in the podcast on your iTunes or mobile device. Search Inside Supercars. The views expressed on Inside Supercars, including the panellists and guests, do not reflect the views of the network, Thunder Media or Sport Radio. Any publication or rebroadcast of the show without the expressed written permission of Thunder Media is strictly prohibited.